This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, the second half of the week edition. I'm Jeff Hawkins here with Chris Novembrino. Happy trails to Larry the Axe Hennig, the father of Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, grandfather to one Curtis Axel, and more particular to my fandom, rest in peace, one Tom Billington, a.k.a. the Dynamite Kid, one half of the British Bulldogs, my brother's favorite wrestler growing up, Chris. Um, I know he's a little bit before your time, but... If you are a fan of, let's say, strong style in the States, if you were a fan of Chris Benoit, which I know is a terrible, terrible comparison because they were both horrible people um, in their own way. Uh, but but Maybe it's an apt comparison. Then. It might be an apt comparison. Well, the thing is, here, here's, the, here's the disconnect between me and listening to people younger than me eulogize the... Davy or not Davy Boy Smith, but uh, the Dynamite Kid. Because most people who come in after me are kind of people who've had to watch him on video. They didn't get to watch him live. It's one of those things where there's this expectation of people to be good, and I come from the generation where everybody in wrestling almost was a scumbag in some ways. I mean, they you know the pure carny thing trying to just bilk anybody out of a dollar if you could you know the type where wrestling training was you show up you pay 200 bucks and you get beat up by some grizzled dude who just calls you a a wuss you know it's yeah like dr david schultz slapping john stossel in the face I, i i always i guess maybe i am old enough to have that built in as well where the quote-unquote good guy wrestler was more the exception and not the rule. And I think wrestling fans of a more modern vintage, they have this expectation that everyone's going to be like John Cena and do 600 make-a-wishes and that sort of thing. And and we're old enough where this is sort of still a new thing, and I'm kind of used to my wrestlers being shitbirds. The the, the thing that got me a bit and... It's weird. Is 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 that the bump that gave that gave? I keep calling him, call him Davy Boy, uh, Dynamite Kid. The injury that eventually put him in the wheelchair was one of the things my brother used to watch over and over and over again, being amazed by. Oh my God! Look at that! He fell off the top turnbuckle onto the floor, and you're just like, Oh my God! You know. But this guy, I mean, he he's small. I mean, the British Bulldogs when they were on and they were at the height before I think before Davy Boy got really really bulked up i mean he was always big and and dynamite was always big but he was always you know so quick and athletic but man watching them against the heart foundation there's tape of them i think they did a one-off in in either the awa against the rock and roll express which is pretty good there's stuff in all japan is exciting i mean and of course you know his solo stuff against tiger mask is absolutely legendary for tape traders in the early 90s which was when i really started doing a little bit of tape trading on my own and and really getting into hey what's going on in japan just one of those guys where everything was crisp the snap suplexes the chops i mean they're in a world where the WWE and their tag team division, when the Bulldogs were in there, were these large plotting guys who would like, you know, you'd hit a guy with a forearm and you'd prance around and, you know, make, you know, it was the big spectacle type thing, like the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Or uh, what, what's in our, oh, oh, the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. I mean, these were guys who were putting on like these athletic contests that you just weren't used to. And 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 I mean, I look. The the reason we know Dynamite Kid was a scumbag is because he said so in his own autobiography. So there's a certain level of of self awareness. At least he's honest yeah. with himself. And in, in in fairness to a lot of those guys from that era. They're pretty straightforward with the idea that they're not great people. Most of them aren't in terrible denial uh-huh. about that. A few of them were, but a lot of them weren't. Yeah, and, you know, you, you try 
not to speak ill of the dead, but you also try and give a balanced look at their life. And, and you know, you, you have to call... You have to call out the bad stuff along with the good from time to time. So, But rest in peace to him. We have a lot of stuff to go over. We have NXT UK. We have NXT. We have a 205 Live. But uh, as always, we will start with the cleanup portion. Stuff we missed on either Raw or SmackDown. Rusev cutting this promo about food. Chris, you wanted to talk about that a bit. Well, I don't want to talk about the food per se, but they had a Rusev character, a babyface character, that the fans were already connected to. See, this is causing shadow pain. He's whining. He cries. He loved Rusev. He's only like six months old, but he has enjoyed this entire push as a babyface. He lives for Rusev Day. He was just saying that. But you have that. Right, you hear him? This is really getting to him, and and I'm trying to weave him in, and it's getting to me as well. Cats are easily worked. Yes, well, (laughs) I I mean, they like gimmicks is the thing. But Rusev Day is a gimmick that the fans are already attached to, and I don't think you needed to add this new wrinkle in of Rusev likes food and is going to make a whole bunch of punny food jokes. Essentially, this Rusev thing is more of the Vince thumbprint all over these two main shows, and it's just driving me crazy right now. It, I, my, my thought was it was a promo written by Becky Lynch before this The Man gimmick. Because <laughs> she loves her, she loved her some puns. Oh, sure, on her sure. Social I media. thought you were going to say she loved her some food, and I was like, uh, really? That too, the quinoa. How's the quinoa? She loved the quinoa. Uh, the other thing on our list uh, that we talked about was uh, the... Uh, <laughs> the I this when I was over at Fightful, this was this was a running joke about this trope. The hey up here on the Titantron, hey up here, uh, Joe mocking Jeff Hardy's struggles. One could say, I, I guess. Um, yeah. So here's the twist on this take. It's not about the hey up here trope, which is of course annoying and stupid. It's about this angle really being for nobody. So. You could say that this angle is for the kids who love Jeff Hardy, and that's the idea. Here's the baby face, because the adults, they like Joe. So so the idea is that this is for the Jeff fans, the young fans. Well, they're so young that they don't know about any of Jeff Hardy's real bad times in the wrestling business. Most of them were negative age when they occurred. And they certainly were not watching TNA back in the Eric Bischoff era to see the main event mafia and then see Jeff Hardy show up for that match with Sting completely blitzed off his ass. So who is this for? Because it's not for the Joe fan because that's the adults and they want to see Joe as a babyface. I think, honestly, the crowd largely wants to cheer for Joe at this point. Him as a heel is tired because they keep casting Joe as this very over-the-top bombastic heel and it doesn't feel real and then we get into the actual content here which is talking about Jeff's drinking which is weird for a show that's supposed to be for the family or whatever I would feel awkward watching this with my child. I agree with you mostly. I'm, I'm going to give a little bit Where of pushback. Where do you disagree with me? Well, because Jeff's last DUI arrest was in March of this year and they knew that they See, took I him off. See, I didn't know of, that. They, when I, when I, now you're killing me here. Well, no, no, no. I'm not killing you because I, I mostly agree Save with, me, with your point. Bring me back to life. I, I, <laughs> who am I, Evanescence? No, yes. I, <laughs> Save me! <laughs> uh, but on, on the other hand, it, it's also, I, th- I, th- I think you're exactly right in that it's a very specific audience. Like, the, the modern audience would have had to have watched that Hardy's documentary on the network. Yeah, you'd have to be following the the cheats, too. I mean, mean, that sort of tells you something as well. Like, the kids aren't reading about Jeff Hardy getting arrested for DUI, and if you were a parent, you wouldn't sit down at the dinner table and go, son, you know the face paint guy that you really like? Turns out he's a drinker. Or or the CM Punk angle that kind of played on this same thing, but that's so, I mean, that's five or six years ago at least and and as and it as, was more recent as jim Cornette likes to say you know wrestling generations turn over about once every five to six years i think he may have actually said seven years exactly but you know what it, it's about that time where it's like these are people who don't know about all these issues especially casual fans who aren't as 
you know, wonky, for lack of a better term, as we are about wrestling and behind the scenes news and things like that. No, I, I agree with that. I, and I don't know why you would want to. Now, see, I can let me let me backtrack because right in the middle of my thought, I go, no, I can think of a reason. Like if you could, if they knew how to present this as a heroic man overcoming his demons to win something big on his last major run in a company. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but but that last part of the sentence is definitely not going to happen. They're absolutely terrible at straight-ahead, babyface, underdog-type stories. And also, to be frank, I'm not sure Jeff has conquered his demons. If he last got arrested in March, you can't do this story. I mean, so so to me, all this is is we're, we're presenting a guy that people like in a bad light, even though he's supposed to be sympathetic here. Yep. Matt yeah, no, Cat this is killing Chesterfield. He he is confused. He <laughs> loves Jeff Hardy. Doesn't follow the dirt sheets, though. So he does not know about the DUI thing. So he's finding all of this out right now. And he's confused, Jeff. He's confused because if Jeff Hardy doesn't have all of this behind him and you have another relapse, that's going to be a real problem, isn't it? Yeah. And, as, yeah, oh, my goodness, especially with the number of injuries he's had. And and the big bumps he's been taking, another relapse would be, I mean, you know what? The only thing that would help would be Joe as a heel, and I'm not sure he'd be able to go into it because they wouldn't want the bad publicity. No, I, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that they're doing this angle because normally they like to keep problems like this sort of hush-hush and not lean into them. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into our Wednesday night lineup, Wednesday afternoon lineup. Uh Let's get NXT UK out of the way. Um, I way? liked the matches for the Just most part. Gone. Yeah. Well, most of the matches weren't bad uh, on their own. It's just the angles themselves were kind of eh, a little. We got I like Fabian, Fabian Eichner, Eichner the, and the, Mark Andrews match. I like the angle. I mean, yeah. the turn's real simple. It's real kind of territories, but it works. I, I mean, you could see Eichner turning heel at the end of this match from a mile away, but I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. He's a nice compliment. I would like to actually see Eichner on 205 Live. You know what? Uh, well, but then again, when he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, then he bulked up a bit, and now I think he's above 205, uh, okay, so I don't think sure, he can get sure. there. But he's now the Evolve champ, I believe. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's one of those guys from the Performance Center that they sent over t- to uh, Gabe Sapolsky. Oh, is this why the Aarons hate uh, Evolve now? Yeah. Cause, yeah, okay. Yeah, and but I like that they sent him over to NXT UK as well to, to run a little program. I'm liking this kind of switching guys out of the territory type thing. Once they get a little stale, you could, you could kind of, you know, see that being a, a pattern. If you get two or three different NXTs going though, I will not be covering every NXT. <laughs> keep no, doing TV man, shows. I, I, I gotta tell you here, let me put it to the audience who in the audience is watching NXT UK. And I, I'm just interested in getting like a number count. Yeah, th- those without a podcast. Who's who's watching NXT UK? Right, right. No, I, I'm legitimately <laughs> interested because I, I'm wondering if we're just doing coverage for nobody. Well, no, I, I think UK. I think I think completists like it. And I think there I think there is a British audience that really wants this to do well because it's their hometown guys, and I think most of them are very worried about you know the effect it'll have on things like progress and Rev Pro over there, which were just kind of getting hot as this NXT UK started to build. Um, let's see. On, on the first show, I did. I liked the Flash Morgan Webster Jordan Devlin match as well. I thought that was yeah, very, that was very a good, good match as well. I'm a I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of Flash Morgan Webster quite a bit. I liked the gimmick. I think he worked a little bit better as a heel with uh, Mark Haskins and his wife over on the uh, on the Progress um, brand. But but I like. I like Flash Morgan Webster a lot. I like the Mod Father gimmick too. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I think it's fun, and I, I, it's it's an easy, cool gimmick. I'm into that. I, I thought this first hour of NXT UK was much better than the second hour of NXT mm. UK, which was really just a series of people having matches. Two other quick things: uh, Isla Dawn defeated Nina Samuels, and they did a promo video for Isla Dawn. I would, have, I would have liked a little more out of it than just, oh, she's a witch or whatever it was they were doing. It was kind of a, you know, soft focus and smoke coming out and she's, you know. It this didn't is, really tell me anything It didn't about tell you her. anything. No, that that's yeah. pinpoint accurate right there. It's, it's, this is the gimmick. Right, right. It was a minute and a half of, I'm a witch. I'm a witch. 
I'm a witch. I'm the white witch. I'm a witch. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. <laughs> Why are you a witch? What what right. happened in your what childhood? Does that entail? Yeah. What uh-huh. is yeah, but when you say you're a witch, what does that mean? What do you do? How how does one become a witch? There's so many questions if you're going to go that route and instead we're just saying I'm a witch. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Yeah, <laughs> one of those type things. I'm not a witch. I'm nothing you've heard. I'm you. Um, and then the other match on here, uh, former favorite of ours, Eddie Dennis, defeated Tucker. Um, you know, I, I I thought it was a fairly good squash match for Eddie Dennis. Um, the way they followed up it on hour number two, interesting choice, I thought. Um, he's now kind of a creepy stalker. In the in the back hallways, I actually of- like that. That's the most interesting, or the best thing they've done with Eddie Dennis. I was going to say interesting, but I'm not interested in the guy anymore. But that is a step in the right direction with Eddie Dennis. He like is watching you and just silently hates you. Uh, your boy Sid Scala is now the assistant to the general manager. This is an interesting little wrinkle, and he seems to fit this role quite nicely. He is very charismatic. He looks, yes. he looks good in a suit. He's so young that he looks like he doesn't deserve the job at all. I think it's a perfect type thing. And you know what? I think he brings he brings a little weird color to... Um, and this fixes the Johnny Saint problem, too. Yeah, because Johnny Saint kind of comes off a little bland at times to me. I think Sid Scala gives him a little bit of color. Now, I hope this doesn't turn into a drake maverick situation where he's not really wrestling anymore because I, I i was enjoying kind of the build to see where he'd go and eventually if he'd do anything but i you know i think eventually or at least one of the pivot points out of this you could do is one of the wrestlers who he is supposed to you know be the manager of uh, keeps on picking on him and keeps on picking on him and eventually johnny says that he needs to go and have a match with this guy i'm not gonna go match by match on this one but uh there were two um Two things that came up that uh, interested me, at least, and I'll let you go into anything else that interested you. Uh, our friend, <laughs> or at least the guy we push for, the our 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 the 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 wild boar fan club in full effect, as Mike, as our boy Mike falls to Dave Mastiff. Um, I like both these guys in the ring, Dave Mastiff. Outside of the ring, cutting that kind of happy-go-lucky promo, I liked that he gave props to the wild boar. But man, his voice does not match his body type at all, and that's what I'm scared of right now. It's it's such a it's a little higher pitch than I thought it would be, and I had never heard him speak before. You know, th- this giant big guy, and he has kind of this upper register voice, and you're like, oh man, <laughs> oh man, it 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 doesn't bring you know. It doesn't instill fear in me, so maybe it, it'll be like a gentle giant type gimmick they go for. But uh, what did you think of old Dave Mastiff? Uh, you know, uh, this match was a little long. I, I, I think the way they were initially kind of booking him is that he really kind of runs through people. And this was a little too competitive. And don't get me wrong, we are the Wild Boar fan club, and we, we stand strong. So I like seeing... The Wild Boar on television, he's a good wrestler. It, it was just, it was a weird pairing. And, I don't know, Mastiff's okay. I, it, you know, it, there's a thing that rubs me the wrong way with him kind of doing the Vader thing on his tights. A little bit. Uh, now, is Wild Boar wearing blackout contacts? Is that what yes. I'm seeing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's one of the things I liked about him. The first uh, time okay, I saw yeah. Him. I, I just wasn't sure what it was. I was like, does he have dead eyes? What's going on? Oh, okay, that's what he's doing. Okay, that's kind of cool. Kind of a cool cosmetic choice there. I can go with that. And the re-debut, so to speak, on NXT UK of one, the Kiwi buzzsaw, Travis Banks. Travis Banks is an enigma to me personally. I watched his run in progress as progress champion as a heel. And to me, it didn't work because he's a smaller heel beating up bigger guys like Walter. And it it just was one of those things where it just didn't match because you knew the guys weren't going to go over on him either. It's kind of, He's kind of like doing what Dave, Daniel Bryan is doing now. A little bit. It kind of reminds me, what you're describing, since I haven't seen the angle, sort of reminds me a bit of Austin Aries. A little bit. A little bit. Quite a bit. But also, Travis Banks was one half of my favorite tag team, 
I think just last year, maybe it was two years ago, where I ranked their match, number my favorite match of the year, which was the South Pacific Power Trip, which was with a guy by the name of T.K. Cooper. And I just view Travis Banks as one of those guys. He has a great singles look, but to me, he's a much better guy in a tag team type situation. But uh, I like him here paired with Mustache Mountain quite a bit. Um, and, you know... He beat Wolfgang, so they're doing, once again, the kind of the small, for lack of a better term, chicken hawk type guy who, who's who's going to beat bigger guys bigger than him. But he didn't beat Wolfgang clean. That was a very weird yeah. un-NXT UK move of having Trent Seven pull out the leg on Wolfgang to give him the win. Should note that uh, the Wolfgang and Coffee Brothers stable now has a name called Gallus. What does that mean? A lowland Scottish word for self-confident, daring, cheeky, or stylish, or impressive. Okay, because they said it and I didn't understand the word. Didn't know it either and I googled it as soon as I heard it and I was like, okay, uh, you know, my my problem with that is uh, you know, I have no problem with them having a stable name. I still have a problem with them all wearing the brand T-shirts. I thought they were the Iron Kingdom, though. They were, originally. I guess right. they... that That is the thing that is kind of annoying to me, is now we're just, like, changing the name week by week, and we still have these T-shirts. Well, I mean, the NXT UK brand T-shirts on your main event heel stable, I have a bit of a problem with. I, I, don't, want, I don't want them to be good corporate citizens while being the bad guys I'm supposed to root against. Well, first, it, you have to have to get a name they stick with for a couple of weeks. They're yeah. like one of my old teenage bands where we couldn't decide on a name or I would just keep changing the band name because I couldn't get married to one. I'm wondering why they dropped it and you know, my only blind speculation now that you're mentioning it is maybe they thought it was too close to the imagery of Triple H and him using the Iron Cross and whatnot. I don't think so. Okay. I just think that they came up with yet another name and decided maybe they thought the Iron Kingdom is too nondescript, whereas Gallus gives us something regional that sort of reminds people that we're from Scotland. The other results on the show, Joseph Connors beat Dan Maloney, Legero beat Tyson T-Bone, and Rhea Ripley defeated Candy Floss in a non-title match. Anything from those spark any interest in you? No, uh, with the slight exception of the Rhea Ripley and Candy Floss match, I think that Rhea Ripley should have just run through her. I have no problem with the patronizing handshake to begin this match, but I thought she should have just demolished Candy Floss. I agree. I, I yeah, and I, I just I didn't understand that because I don't think Candy Floss is going to be a full time part of this roster just yet. But uh... this brand keeps making a weird decision to have 50-50 or 60-40 matches in situations that are calling for 80-20. Yeah, it, it, it's very odd, but uh, that's also a problem on uh, the main NXT as well because we, we've had a few debuts here where, where, where we're do, they're doing 50-50 with guys that you're pushing as big stars, and we had that again this week. A little bit the debut of one Punishment Martinez going up against one Matthew Riddle. And now I like that they brought up their past as tag team partners. I thought that was cool. I think that that was integral to making this match make sense because I would normally agree with you that Matt Riddle should be going straight through this guy. But when you establish that they were tag team partners, it sort of opens the door a little bit more for the idea that like Punishment Martinez is going to have a more competitive match with Riddle. That said, I wish this was a little bit longer. I like Punishment Martinez. I think it's going to be good to see him on the roster and who knows maybe this spins in I, I haven't seen the spoiler so maybe this spins into them getting repaired at some point well here, here's my my thing about this I don't mind him beating punishment Martinez but this is not a week two matchup and this is not the way to debut punishment Martinez um, t- to me this is a week four or five after he's beaten a few people and they go oh we have an announcement oh Matt your former tag team partner's coming into the territory one punishment Martinez and we've signed a match for him you give it a little build and you give it a little you know ooh intrigue and then maybe you have punishment Martinez cut a promo um, leading up to that uh, punishment Martinez is everything they want Baron Corbin to be right and and, he, and unlike Baron Corbin, he actually is it. Unfortunately, he's about 
15 years older than they'd like him to be as well. So um, I, I liked it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us a, a short critique of the commentary here because on, on both this match and the Forgotten Sons match, Percy Watson is telling me things that I want either Punishment Martinez or the Forgotten Sons to tell me. You, you have him giving the backstory of his father putting him in a boxing ring and learn, t- t- teaching him how to be tough and whatnot. That's the story I want the characters to tell me because that will give me an emotional connection to these characters. I don't want to hear Percy Watson telling me this. I don't want to hear Percy Watson telling me what the Forgotten Sons are rebelling against or whatnot because it sounds like a contrived script point that's put out in front of him rather than an honest piece of this gimmick that we're supposed to be it's caring. It's a about. weird way to talk, right? Yeah. Like the way they usually phrase it syntactically is, well, the forgotten sons say that they were forgotten and that anyone could become a forgotten son. And you don't meet anyone in your life who talks like that, right? No. Like when when you you don't go, well, Christopher Brino says when you're talking about me to someone else, that would be weird. And it would be even weirder to actually directly attribute a quote to me. Yeah, I, I but I mean, it was more on the punishment Martinez and because this was his debut that I really wanted, you know what, give, give me a promo video with this guy telling me about this life story and how he got the name punishment. That would be kind of cool. Rather than the, you know, whatever, you know, tagline they're going to give him in the future. I, I really wanted that a bit, but I liked the match itself. Right, um, right. In a I vacuum, like- the match is good, I, although I'm completely with you with all of the other criticisms. I thought it was, if you strip all of that away and just move in between the ropes, this was a well-formatted second-week squash with just the wrong guy. Yeah, and yeah, no, that definitely. This this is a they 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 gave him a mid level boss character if you're using video game terminology as opposed to flunkies, which he should be having right now for the first couple weeks because we're still getting used to him. I mean, we've only seen him in that six second match against Ono, and the one squash he had last week. Um, so I mean, but I like the, the, the oh, other point of this is that we're not done with Ono exactly, and I liked that. I did. No, I like that as well. That. I think that there was just a lot of stuff going on here in this opening match. You and I were talking about for the second episode of the Patreon cast this month, doing something like how you would go about formatting a wrestling show these days. And I will just say that basically the way they formatted this episode of NXT is the way I would format a show. I I kind of, note by note, if you make them sort of generic, like the Velveteen Dream promo, just but genericize it for anyone. That's the template I think they should follow. This opening match, like the way you have kind of a quick match and then tell a quick story, I like that. That's the way an opening match should be formatted. Uh, I really like the Carrillo Mendoza team quite a Boy, bit. Boy, Carrillo. Oh, man. Carrillo's got insane altitude. He's I, great. I would love something else other than these two are Mexican, though. I mean, really, well, if, you sure. want per- if you want if you want Percy to put something over, put something over, for God's sakes, rather than this. Um, going back to the other point, you know, the Forgotten Sons, you have the backstories of, you know, Blake being a former tag champ. You have the Steve Cutler Marine story. I you still know, they don't get what were. Gunner's doing with these guys. He just looks mean. Right, no, I get that. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I know what he looks like. My eyes aren't completely defective. I don't I don't understand these guys. Yeah, well, they, they want to do Sons of Anarchy without doing any of the mean, or even, you know, let's face it, white biker gangs are kind of problematic in, uh, in the liturgy, so to speak. Um, I, I, you I, tell. I, um, really? They have, they have a f- problematic in charge history? Uh, yes. Yes, they do. Uh, yeah, I the, will do more the Hells Angels. this later. You know, you can look up something called Altamont, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> um, no, but, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like they want them to be a violent street gang, biker gang, without being violent, necessarily. And, they, you know, and they don't want to do any, like, say problematic racial stuff with the biker gang so it's kind of a weird they're they're kind of dancing around guys playing biker a bit and it's it's it there's a disconnect there that that i can't quite i can't quite figure out if the forgotten sons are 
have have an upward trajectory or not. Yeah, it's not entirely clear to me either. I I don't know what their plans are for them. And when you strip away that much from the biker gimmick, essentially what you've got are dudes who are mean for reasons that are not clear. And have beards. And have beards. Well, they're just anti-haircuts, generally. Yeah, pretty much. I swear to God, every time Otis Dozovich says Tucky, I think he's saying Ducky. Ducky! Ducky! Steaks! Weights! Steaks! Steaks! Ducky! Ducky! (laughs) That's my impression of the Heavy Machinery promo video. I I love Otis, but it's just one of those things where he's not really... He's just slapping guys and saying, Ducky! Steaks! (laughs) They're just a bit too zany. I'm ready for these guys to be more serious and, and... Less on the goof and more on the we're heavy machinery because we fucking work out. Oh, swear jar, absolutely. But uh, like, th- they Bleepin'. need to be the <laughs> the dudes who are about making crazy gains. Yeah, I I, I think so. I, I think I think I'd like that a little bit more. You know, but that they have you know they have Otis doing the worm right. in the elbow. It's I just want like, them to be showing how much power they've got, and I kind of want that to be gotten over in the ring too. Like if they're gonna feud with the undisputed era and really feel like a credible threat, I almost want to see these guys like move the ring. Feats of strength. Then the best damn thing all week on WWE TV, to a point, the rebirth of Dakota Kai. This thing, I, I got to get into this. They hit every note on this thing. They gave her a new promo picture where she's more of a fighter. They took away the dumb kind of anime slash Chun-Li presentation of her in the ring. She's a little bit more serious. She still has the hang loose sign. I'm fine with that. It's a little more cultural. And then she just kicked the crap out of Shayna Baszler, which, yeah, okay, she's team kick. I mean, she was just a badass in this match, and I'm, I'm pumping my fist going, yeah, I'm, I'm watching this on a treadmill or on a, an elliptical, and I'm watching this, and I'm excited, and I'm getting a little Joe Lanza, you know, I, I need to get up and pace or yeah, something. but you're not, you can't pace because you're on an elliptical, so you have to but just I'm, move I'm, laterally I'm or not laterally. My, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on this thing, and I'm pumping my fist because they're getting everything right, and I'm loving it, and I'm loving it, and I'm loving it, and I've been spoiler-free about the tapings. And they say it's a non-title match. I'm like, okay, great. They've made her such a badass. And then she loses. And they're trying to put over, oh, but did you see how well she tried? I'm like, no. You need to rebuild the Kai because you've made her such a geek in front of Shayna. You, you, you have a fatal four-way. Just make this her. And apparently, spoiler alert, she's not in it because someone from Twitter basically said, well, she's not in it. So it's like, okay, she's not in it, but... At the time, I didn't know that. I'm like, okay, give her a title match later. She has to win this match. The Rocky story doesn't work if you've seen him lose all these other times. Rocky came out. He was a bum, but that was a backstory. And then he came in and he got the chance of a lifetime against the champ. And he lost in a valiant fight. But we never saw Rocky being a bum in those other fights. I this loved, isn't even Rocky three because I loved this Dakota Kai. In Rocky three, Rocky loses to Mr. T and then comes back and beats Mr. T, and they're not even telling us that story. She's the one person out of these six people involved in this feud that needs to be built up a bit more, and I'm not sure that they did it by having her lose. They can say it on the commentary all they want. Man, she really did a great job here. There's no shame in that, but still, that that's not how that's not how people view view wrestling they like winners and they like strong people but man like like just the angry faces and stuff i loved this dakota kai so much i wanted her to win she needed to win this match so bad and i'm just it drove me nuts that it's like it's like watching a great movie and then the ending just is like huh that's what i was like on this but man i really like this match a lot i didn't get that far with you i i I actually was kind of expecting her to lose in this match. I was sort of surprised that this match didn't go to a non-finish. That's what I was expecting. I would have taken that. 
I loved the handstand kick. I loved I loved her holding the head and kicking her in the face. I thought that I was I like great. how she continued to favor the arm throughout the match as that well. That too. She yes. was great. And her I selling that was she, very good. And, 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 and boy, the gut wrench suplex off of the top ropes. Yeah. That was fantastic. And that she avoided that, that arm break thing where it had vexed her before. I, I liked that. Man, I just... I, Screw it! I'm I'm still a little hyped for this three on three, but I th- I think you need to build no, up the weak link. No, it was a very link. very good and very competitive match that didn't need a solid conclusion either way, and so to go to that was was strange. I, I mean, if anything, I thought Marina and Jessamine were going to cause the distraction or the DQ. And I'm fine with that because they're the major heel group. You build them up as the people that are going to do this over and over again. You know, it's the horseman gimmick. And the trio eventually gets over at the takeover. Yeah, that's the story is is that you have these three who are interfering so much that you need to get them all together. They've really mishandled the Shayna faction thus far. In small ways, it's not like terminal or anything like that, but it was weird to not have Regal ban Marina and Jessamine. It just felt like a weird oversight, and, and this felt a little off in terms of notes. Well, it's a little off on that, and it's also a little off that they haven't been given a squash match of their own against two two people who we don't know from this roster um, to kind of get over on their own without Shayna Baszler. And that's the WWE problem with heel stables is it's always the one star plus two people who are cannon fodder, usually. There's never usually more than three in a stable these days, although sometimes you'll get four. But it's always meant to build up, build up one person in it rather than having a very strong, equally cohesive faction. I mean, even going back so far as uh, Evolution, you know, that was mostly for tri- to get Triple H over. You, you did have Orton and Batista get over eventually when they got turned on. But, you know... Legacy that was to build up Randy Orton. Um, any, the any shield fa- was meant as a vehicle for Roman. For Roman Reigns, Reigns. yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where they don't build up people equally in these things. And I think, I think Mar- Marina and Jessamine need to need to shore up their bona fides a little bit more in order to be seen as this threatening three person stable rather than just Shayna and her two friends. Well, next we had the Velveteen Dream doing his promo. I loved this promo. I thought that this had a lot of flavor. It was simple to the point. It got over his character. He told us what he was going to do next, and then we were done. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the little uh, the the hokey. I don't like the looks of this uh, thing. So he snaps, and the music starts playing, and he can only do he can only do a promo with his motif going i i I dug that it it was cool that is sort of the essence of wrestling in my mind which is it's a weird it's a sports world with the weirdest people you've ever seen occupying what is supposed to be a sport but they're terminally weird which makes it a weird sport i would i would give velveteen dream the green screen promos again from back in the day like, just let him have his background and his thing, and this is the only way he'll communicate, and he's talking into the camera rather than, you know, kind of belittling Kathy Kelly, which doesn't, uh, you know, people want to cheer him, and if you mistreat Kathy Kelly, who is America's sweetheart in many ways, you know, it's kind of a turnoff. Uh, oh, yeah? A lot of people like Kathy Kelly. Okay. A lot of people. I, I, oh. I, just from what I know. Okay. I've, I've met her a couple times. She's nice. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the uh, main event segment with Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny, Johnny Badass, and Alistair Black. Uh, I liked it. I liked this. I, I thought that this was a good establishment of Tommaso and Johnny's dynamic going forward here, which is Tommaso is going to manipulate Johnny because Johnny gets obsessed with things. And Tommaso knows this and is going to exploit this. I, I like the fact that uh, that Johnny that, should hate Tommaso, but he couldn't get his focus off of Aleister Black, and they didn't beat us over the head with that. They let the action show that about Johnny. Well, that's just that's just it. I like that that it's kind of like there's that there's that still underlying friendship there now that they're both heels, but he still hates 
Tommaso, but he's so driven by rage, he forgets the hate part and still remembers kind of, oh, yeah, we used to be a pretty good tag team back in the day. Um, I don't think it's even that glimmer of recognition. I just think it is singular obsession with Aleister Black. I think that, in a way, in losing himself like this, Johnny has forgotten what was even motivating him in the first place in this because I'm now fine with that. His, yeah, right. No, I like that. I, I think it's a great wrinkle. Yeah, I, I, I'd like both him and, and Candace to just lose every every ounce of humanity within the two of them as the greatest baby faces who ever came out. Because, I mean, it's hard to hate Candace LeRae when she's a perky blonde smiling in pastels around there. But now that she's kind of gotten the darker makeup and the hair is getting a little darker as well. You know, Johnny, Johnny Wrestling is no longer the white meat fiery baby face, but rather he's the obsessive jerk who can't who let things Who still thinks go. he's the hero? Yeah, who still thinks he's the hero. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm... See, it's weird because I don't want them to go straight back to Johnny versus Tommaso, but I kind of think they need to get uh, Alistair out of this eventually, and I'm not sure how they do it. I don't think they're going back to Johnny versus Tommaso. No, no I think it's going to be the three I of think, them. I think when Alistair gets to Tommaso, Johnny is going to help his friend, and that's when we solidify this friendship. Yeah, I, I would I would agree there. Um, maybe add a fourth eventually, but uh, no, I, I like this main event segment, and then uh, we'll end the night on 205 Live. I got a Russell Boner watching that Buddy Murphy interview. I liked that he turned to the yes. camera and he started talking to the guy. I That is, I, I've said this before, Chris. I've said it a million times with Rob. If there's one thing I would change in the promo style of WWE, I would have them talk into the camera directly as opposed to the 45-degree angle to the to the talking head who goes, how do you feel right now? I love Buddy Murphy's promo. It's the best promo he's had since he's been brought up to 205 Live. Well, it gave him uh, some flavor. The, this whole thing of, oh, am I not? What was the word? Uh, it, it, or am I polarizing? Polarizing. Like, yeah, yeah. It just the derision there. It gave Buddy Murphy that little twist that he needed very badly. And I think to supplement that, I think the promos by both Mustafa Ali and Tony Nese at the end of the show helped you know helped help everybody involved on this show i like uh, nice shaky hand because okay nice went a little too far with it and cedric alexander will never be able to wrestle again like well, no one believes that I, I i get the scenery chewing aspect of it i was talking more about the talking into the camera thing oh yeah that part was good the staging was fine the staging was was great. I liked the way they did that. Yeah, the content could have needed some work, but I would have much rather Nice cuts that promo, and he's doing a little Al Pacinoing. I'll I'll give him that. But rather than doing that with, uh, oh, I forgot her name. the 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 person that they have doing the the interviews for Two Hundred Five Live now. Uh, Charlie. I no, no, it's not Charlie. It's the uh, Charlie Two Point It's the girl with the freckles. That's all I can think of. Freckles. Yes. Yes. Vamp a bit. I'll look it up. I, I mean, this is one of these vamps that isn't really necessary if you think about it, guys, because this isn't really that important of a plot point. But Jeff is a dog and completist, <laughs> and we do great journalism here on this show. And people are shouting at me. Which is why I need to me. plug Patreon, patreon.com slash shakethemropes. If you're looking for dogged wrestling journalism, you really can't go to a finer news outlet than Shake Them Ropes, hosted by myself, Chris Ombrino, and Jeff Hawkins. Do you have this person's name? yet or can no. we move on no <laughs> I'm, on wikipedia. I'm on wikipedia right now just desperately looking because i can't remember her name is okay, stop reading up about i don't know grid theory we need to okay. move on well there's there's really i mean the only other thing on here of note if you, if you want to go into i don't want i mean the kendrick tozawa drew gulak is still my favorite guy to watch on this thing i i still love everything he does it's it's just one of those things where um, 
you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing the same people up against each other week after week after week after week. Caleb, well, Bra- Caleb really... Braxton is the name I was looking for. Boy, I'm glad we got that. This story has not really advanced anywhere. So, I, I mean, yeah, we, we get this Kendrick and Gulak match, but it just, uh, the way they built up to it made it feel ho-hum. Because last week the you know the promo to build us up into this was Kendrick punching Tozawa's hand and being kind of angry about it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Kayla Braxton, you made me vamp for that. <laughs> Look, I have my idiosyncrasies at times. <laughs> Just um, like saying "look" on a podcast. Yeah. Well, when you say "look," it's 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 code for "shut it, up." Well, no, it's supposed to be listen, isn't it? Well, listen is also code for shut up. <laughs> when you say I can look. Do that. Or, no, I can do that. You can, you just take over the show. Hawkins is fine. It's no, fine. I'm, I, no, it's it's something I learned in improv that, that a guy gave me as a as a tip once and I've never forgotten. It's like when when you when you're watching a scene and someone says look or listen and they start a sentence like that, it's code for shut up. And it's and it's rude in some way. So I'm I I try my best not to do that. I kind of learned that in the school of life. Like what I say, listen, buddy. Like that is basically shut up, and well, and then whatever follows after that is the thing I'm going to say. But I say, listen, buddy, to give them the time to shut up, so yes, that they can what, listen what, to the listen, buddy. I'm not finished. <laughs> well, no, but when when you watch like hundreds of young improvisers doing scenes, and they always, you know, they always start something by saying, look. Like that, it's always shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, and I had never really put two and two together like that. Yes, in my own life, I've done that, but as a, uh, never mind, as an acting coach. Uh, and then we have TJP and the Lucha House Party and their plethora of pinatas. I appreciate the Three Amigos reference, but that does not make me like this match, Jeff. <laughs> this was stupid would as you, hell. Would you say buried in here was? A decent wrestling match, and it was buried underneath these pinatas. The spot was stupid. The crowd was not into this. I was not into this. I hate what they're doing with the Lucha House Party. And, like, we've hit all of the different notes about the Lucha House Party so many times. I'm not going to repeat them all, but it's, it remains the same dirge that I've thought it has been. <laughs> I have put many beautiful pinatas in the storeroom, each of them filled with little surprises. <laughs> Oh God! I just I, I watched that and I cringed. I mean, I I get this angle. I'm I'm not keen necessarily on the TJP Mike Canellis team, but I think they're fine for what they are. I'm just a little done with the with the Lucha House Party being this way because they've been this way ever since they debuted, and they've never. They've never expanded anything else other than to oh the kids are gonna love the guys in the mask with the pinatas. You know? I found it perplexing that there was not Lucha House Party rules enforced in this match, which... Uh, they could I, not, because it, I, I did like... Well, I, because gonna, Drake Maverick's a good manager and Baron Corbin isn't? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give I'm gonna give a little pushback on this. It was a tornado match, which I like that they're... I like that they kind of established... Yes. ...in this world that the tornado match is a specialty of 205 Live... Despite the fact that every tag team match in WWE eventually devolves into a tornado match in some Yeah, but way. the tornado tag match, maybe they eventually have the tornado tag titles. And, and, and that does give this brand something specific to this brand. And, and I like that they didn't just go with the trios thing. I love, I love, I always loved growing up in, in the territory system, the concept of the tornado match being a special event type thing where you saw all four guys fighting at once. Like, the Attitude Era absolutely ruined that. Um, I, I like when it's a surprise and it's brought out occasionally. I, I, I do. I think it's a nice, special touch in terms of the fight feel, so to speak. Um, but they couldn't do the Lucha House Party rules for the simple fact that Metalik is on the Chilean tour down there. And they, they, they mentioned that on commentary. So you only had the two and the two. Um, I, I, and I, as I said, I want someone to bring up the fact that they're using the Lucha House Party rules against the Revival, and what does Baron Corbin have against the Revival? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is what it is, I guess, so to speak. This 205 Live brand, um, 
It continues to produce very good content at times, and occasionally... It's better than Raw and SmackDown, but yes. it's not as good as NXT US. It just sits right in the middle there. It's fine when I watch this and I watch NXT and then I follow it up with 205 Live. It makes for a perfectly good two hours of television, yes. but 205 Live is always the weaker of the two. Yeah, and it and I think a lot of it has to do with the big arena and, and the half-full audience... And if you had, I think if you kind of downsized this a bit and put it into a smaller venue with more rabid fans, I think it would do better. But at the same time, you'd have higher production costs. So, I mean, I get that also. But again, the Buddy Murphy promo, I th- when I saw that, that was another fist pump moment on the elliptical for old Jeff. I loved that quite a bit. I, I want more promos in the camera and more mean promos in the camera. I want I that. I thought Cedric Alexander did a good job with his promo as well. I thought that I was liked, okay. I, I didn't know, like I liked the fake the out. Open. I liked did the you? fake out. Yeah, I did. I liked the fake out because okay. I think that that is setting the table for what will come next eventually. So this is like foreshadowing. So, so you think it's a fake out that's not a fake out? Well, I don't think he's turning heel like tomorrow or anything, but I think eventually... I don't know. This is WWE. They might do that. They did it with right. Dana no, Brooke. No, no, no. I, but I, but I, the 205 Live writing team does seem to be different than the Raw and SmackDown writing team. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know who's on what show personnel-wise, but there, there seems to be a different sensibility with the way they handle the characters on 205 Live. And so I, I do think that eventually Cedric is going to turn on Mustafa for exactly the reasons he listed off there. But first, he has to come up short against Buddy Murphy again. Yeah, no, I I would agree. Uh, Sometime this weekend, Chris and I are going to record about the wonders of Jinsei Shinsaki and the great Muda. I got to watch all those matches tomorrow. I'm looking very, very forward to my <laughs> to my uh, binging on on great Japanese wrestling. It's only for our uh, Patreon members. Go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. You can follow me at crap game 13. You can follow the show at shake them ropes. Chris, tell us all the places they can follow you. Many a place at C H R I S N O V E M B R I N O. Novembrino is my name. on Twitter. Follow me there. And you can find my other show, Don't Worry About the Government, at don'tworry.tv. And I also host the All in the Family podcast. Some call it communist. I, I don't know that it is, but you can check it out at the All in the Family podcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And now, Jeff, I need you to vamp for me a little bit as I look up something. Could you just vamp? Just a. Uh...